Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to That Gabby Roslin Podcast, part of the Acast Creator Network. This week, it's our Christmas special and my guest is Miranda Hart. In my eyes, one of the funniest women on our TVs. She was so generous with her time and was an absolute delight to chat to. We, of course, talk about a hugely successful TV show, Miranda, and how she whispers about something that she may be considering. She shares the story of how she got the part of Chummy in BBC One's Call the Midwife. She discusses feeling anxious and how at moments during the heady days of Miranda, she sometimes felt like a rabbit caught in the headlights. She talks about how she idolised French and Saunders and how Sally Phillips was so supportive of her. She also tells me about how in awe she was of Alison Janney when she worked with her on the movie Spy, which tennis player she'd invite on a plane trip with her and of course she tells me what makes her properly belly laugh. I also ask her about her fabulous Miranda shop, which sells her own unique and fun merchandise and supports charities who help people living with chronic illness. You can find it online at themirandashop.com. I love Miranda. It's as simple as that. And I do hope you enjoy this episode. Please, can I ask you a favour? Would you mind following and subscribing, please? By clicking the follow or subscribe button. This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes. I know there have been quite a few now. And you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review. Thank you so much. Miranda, I've just seen a picture of you and you've put on makeup. Do you know, I thought I'm going to see if putting on makeup actually does have an effect because I don't normally wear it. And has it? And do you know, I do feel, I do feel a little bit energised, yes. And makeup's sort of weird, isn't it? Because you think, well, should I walk around permanently looking in a mirror and going, look how fabulous I look today. But you just... <laughs> My my, I feel quite smooth and silky, Gabby. Do you know what? I am a complete slaphead. I have worn, and I mean slaphead, not as in got no hair, but I have worn makeup from the age of 13 and I used to sneakily take it to school and put eyeliner on and then rub it off before my mum picked me up. That's how much I've always loved makeup. And do you wear it every day? I do, and even in lockdown, just to make me feel that I was getting up, if you see what I mean. Interesting. Yeah, now I started, I think it started reminding me of work. So then I took it off to feel like I was more relaxed. Uh, yes. Do you know what? Because I take it off. When I have it off, then I'm not in. When you have it off, Gabby. Yeah. <laughs> and Come we've on. started. And we're off with the euphemisms. Yeah, I love a euphemism. And do you know what my, uh, so my daughters, I, th I have told this to your face before when we were um, in the basement in the dressing room together, but we, as a family, we properly love you. You know how much I love you as, as a person, uh, but, but I really do. I think you're phenomenal in every single way. But we, as a family, we just, we know every one of your shows off by heart. The kids absolutely adore you. They think that you're a member of the family because you've always been there. And 
but they were very upset that we were recording on a Wednesday, so we couldn't see Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. See. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. Perhaps, shall I come for Christmas and then I can be really part of the yes. family? <gasps> no, don't. I can't say that to them because they would properly think... Yes, you, you're you're welcome here every day, quite frankly. You and Lovely. and your mum, because I've been watching you and your mum gardening. Oh, is my mum the best? I wanted her to be the Mary Berry of gardening. Well, why hasn't that happened? Well, quite. Let's get, you know, heads will roll. Let's get on it. Yeah, but it would make sense because they've had other people and their dads. I think we should have you and your mum. And I love that idea. Um, Miranda, what is so amazing about you? There are lots of things, but what that is That sounded amazing? like a question. No, no, here it goes. It's a and statement. I was like, iPad is not a question for me to answer. No, 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 it's a statement. What is amazing about you is that you are alongside Madonna, you're alongside Kylie, you just need, it's just the one word, one name, and people instantly know who you're talking about. And everybody instantly has this deep love for you do, do you feel that well sort of yes and no I, I think it's sort of it, it's strange because people are still watching the show and, and and sort of young kids so people who were fans of it in the beginning have maybe had children now and their children are sort of nine ten and they can start watching it so it's still being watched so I get I get this sense of kind of now I can reflect back and be a bit further away from it of realizing the effect it's had um, and that there is there was just such a love for that character, and it's very moving. But I think at the time, no, I was a sort of rabbit in headlights and didn't understand what was going on. And when sort of teenagers started screaming at me in the park, um, I would always look behind me and think, well, "What's happening? What's going on?" <laughs> and and didn't really understand. But I think, yeah, I think now in hindsight, I can get a sense of of the love for the show, which is just so moving every time I think about it. Isn't that funny that when you're in that moment, it's very hard to accept it. It's very hard to accept that adulation. It's very hard to accept that people are calling out your name in the park, especially if you're, I mean, you and I have talked about the fact that we're both very shy people underneath it all, that it's it's sort of, oh, me? why me even though you know you've got that that wit that natural you've got funny bones and all of that and that lovable thing it is still the oh me why me yeah I think for me it was a surprise that that character because I feel I feel confident in my comedy I know that some people were like you know I'd done enough live shows at the Edinburgh Festival for years and years and enough enough gigging to know that I did get laughs and that I had you know, some natural gift in comedy. I also knew that as many people liked me would, would hate me because that's the subjective nature of of comedy. But I was very surprised that that character at that time was so... I just didn't think the show would be a hit at that time. There was a lot of sort of satirical comedy going on, quite dark, edgy, sort of real stuff. And suddenly this sort of middle-aged... Well, she wasn't middle-aged at that time, but galloping, stupid woman comes onto the screen and and I think that for me was the biggest shock was the success of it that that it was the sort of time for it and that people wanted it and I don't really think it is adulation for me ever I think it is adulation for that character and I'm very proud that I wrote it and I wrote those characters and that on-screen family but it but I very much can divorce myself from her, if you see what I mean. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Which is hard when people then expect you to be to be Miranda. Galloping. Yeah, exactly. And I am naturally, I'd say not shy, but, but introverted, you know. I'm, I'm, I, I like a quiet, simple life. So to, to, to have to, to kind of put on the hi and let's go galloping and such fun <laughs> is quite, <laughs> you know, is a bit of an effort. I think because obviously it's your name and it's you fronting it and you're writing it. The people do ex- expect the gallop. Sorry, I, it goes, I just go straight to the galloping. I go to the falling over. Well, I have to say the galloping I do do. Are you galloping now? I'm not galloping now in, in that I'm in a sedentary position. And that would be pot- potentially taking it too far. Although I am on an <laughs> office chair, so I could very much start manoeuvring about the room in a, in a sedentary gallop 
on wheels. Oh, it's sedentary gallop. But I have, I have, I think, in the last in the last few years, getting older, started going. Let's take heed my own advice. Does galloping work? And boy, it does. It's very funny. It just instantly brings joy. So there are aspects of her that are me that I sort of have brought in recently, if that makes sense. Are you able to switch off then from that Miranda when you're out and about? The Miranda character as opposed to you, Miranda Hart? Yeah, I think it took me a bit of time to understand the effects of of fame and, and being known as a specific persona that people assume are you. So I think it took me a bit of time to adjust because I think I did become that persona for so long when I was working really hard. And then, of course, when you do chat shows and things like that, they they sort of want that energy. Um, and then taking a bit of time out and thinking, oh, actually, hang on, I've lost a bit of of who I am. And and now I've got, I think, a really nice balance back where I feel like I know who I am on stage and I know who I am in real life. And often there's often it mixes you know, that kind of character that you write that you end up calling your own name is, of course, going to very much come from your soul. So there are aspects. So now I feel like there's a really nice mix. But I did a um, a cameo the other day and somebody replied to me and said, we're really worried about you. You look so sad. Are you OK? And I was like, yeah, that's just the normal me just just chatting. <laughs> so that's quite weird when people say, are you all right? You look just awful and so low. Are you depressed? I'm like, no, I'm just just chilling out and being myself. So that's kind of odd. Yeah, it is. And actually, everybody always has an opinion anyway, don't they? Always. Yeah. And people, you know, people will say, people who don't know you say, you don't seem quite yourself. It's like, well, you, you, don't, know, <laughs> you don't know who I am. <laughs> I am being, I'm being quite, I'm literally being quite to myself right now. Um, so it's an odd thing, but now I feel like was with a bit of time away from it, yeah, I've got a really nice, I've got a bit of myself back after that whole kind of rabbit in headlights of fame thing. That it happens so suddenly when you get a hit show like that. It's really weird. Miranda, I just have to ask you: Do you have very posh air conditioning, or are you in a private jet? Because I can hear something. <laughs> can you hear some what I call whirring? Yes, I can. You can hear what I tell you. What's <laughs> happening? is that it seems like my uh, laptop is about to take off in front of me. Um, I wish I was on a private jet, despite the carbon footprint issue. That would be very nice. Who would be on it with you? Private jet. Oh, that's, oh I lo- love those sort of questions. Definitely a tennis player, because I'm an avid tennis fan. We'd probably be going to some sort of tennis tournament. So maybe Andy Murray. Can I Can I be on it too? Um I'll interview you after this and see whether you fit the bill. I've got okay. a few questions for you, Gabby, just to check whether you're allowed on my private jet. Um, so I think we'll have a tennis player, we'll have a singer, we'll have a comedian. Can we have people who are dead? Can we have Eric Morecambe? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we'll have music, we'll have entertainment, we'll have tennis. Let's have Cher. Cher, Cher. Because she's she's just perfect for a private jet, isn't she? Yes, with the blonde wig that she wore. <laughs> yes. Okay, we've got Cher and Eric Morecambe and your tennis player. Can If I'm allowed on it, can we also have Bradley Cooper for no other reason than I just like Bradley Cooper? <laughs> sure, I will, de- and I'll definitely put some makeup on for that. Okay, you're on. I'm, I'm on board with you. And, and maybe a bit of George Clooney because I think he's oh. the sort of modern-day Cary Grant. He's just yes. lovely. Can we just, so we can just look at them both? Yeah. You see, I've gone to sports, entertainment, music. You went straight for the eye candy. This yeah, is why completely. I need to interview you and check whether you're suitable. You'll let me down. You'll embarrass me on this no, jet. I promise. I'll do, I, what I'll do is, cause when you gallop, I do lots of jumping. I think jumping is the same as the galloping. So I will just jump in the air. Okay. Okay. So You've I'll jump. You've got a better pelvic floor than I have through <laughs> jumping. Just don't make me go on a trampoline. Oh, no, it's... No one over 40 should do that. Not that I'm saying, I mean, you may not be over 40. Actually, I tell everyone I'm 33 and I'm, I've stuck with 33 ever since I was 33. Now I'm just sticking nice. with that. It's, yeah, the easiest thing to do. Um, but I was just going to say about you. So you went to um, Alra, the Academy of Live and Recorded Arts. And then from there, so you started doing all the live shows and you went to Edinburgh. 
And it is, it, I mean, it, you said it all happened so fast for you with Miranda, but you've done it, you did loads of things building up to it. Yeah, the, the sort of, the instant, um, inverted commas, success of, of the Miranda show, you know, it was quick that how after putting six episodes out, suddenly it was being talked about. That happened suddenly, but it was a good 15, 16 years before that for me, drudging away. Um, so, yeah, there was no overnight success in terms of that. Yeah, so I, I first went to the Edinburgh Festival in 1994 wow. and it wasn't until 2009 that Miranda was on on the screen. So it was a long apprenticeship and I, I sort of... There were many times when I thought, oh, you know, is this going to happen? Shall I give up? Do I keep going? But I just got enough sort of affirmation each year that, that you know, a, a, another job or I got an advert or an agent was interested or enough to keep going. But uh, but now I look back and I think I'm really grateful for that, that it took that long because it meant that in, in sort of pubs playing to 10 people... Um, uh, in Edinburgh or whatever it was or in London I could really hone not only my skill but I began to hone the Miranda character I began to develop that kind of persona so there were often times where I was like oh my gosh it's taking so long and I've got to go to Edinburgh again and raise the money to do that but it does come to good I think you do you do learn a lot and yeah as I say she, she that character ended up being developed on the stand-up circuit really so, but was it, um, so was it, I, I might I might have got this completely wrong, but Jennifer Saunders saw it and it was that group of people who saw you in Edinburgh and just went, ah, and, and head of comedy at the BBC. Is that right? I did 10 Edinburghs and then after the 10th year, I did a show at um, the Soho Theatre in London and that's when a television producer came to see it and she asked me to develop a show for the BBC. It wasn't, I hadn't come up with the idea of Miranda then. So she, but she had cast me before in um, French and Saunders and Ab Fab. So she knew me from having seen me at the Edinburgh Festival. But the Jennifer thing was when eventually, it took me about 18 months to develop the idea of Miranda. And the, the producer had seen me and was encouraging me, said, you're mad to do a sitcom where you look to camera. That's just not going to get commissioned. It's not what's going on. And I said, well, I've got to do what I long to do. I've got to do my sort of vision. And so eventually developed that and then did a read through in a BBC meeting room where you do, um, you get actors and you, you read the script through in, in this sort of very bland municipal environment. <laughs> and it's terrifying in front of all these BBC suits. And luckily Jennifer was at the BBC that day. And the producer said, Joe Sargent, who's the one who's been encouraging me, um, said to Jennifer, why don't you come along? Because I think you'll find it funny. Sit in the front row, give the give the room a little bit of energy. And Jennifer really kindly did that and luckily did find it funny um, and laughed a lot. And I could see the sort of head of comedy and the commissioners all looking down the line at Jen. And um, so I think that really helped. I mean, I don't, I, I don't feel like I owe everything to Jennifer. You know, it's very much about me, Gabby. No, but I was so grateful that she did that because it was so kind of her. And obviously she'd been an absolute inspiration. She was my comedy hero. But I, but I love that. And it should always be about, well, we always talk about women supporting women. And I love that, that there was a woman saying, you know what, you can do this. That you had, as you said, Joe, who's worked at the BBC. You had Jennifer there just going, right, I'm going to sit here at the front. And that's so important. Do you feel that throughout you've had support? Because I know you have from the audience. We 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 spoke to Tom Ellis recently, and the the, the reaction after we spoke was, oh, forget Lucifer. Uh, it was all about Miranda, and it was all about wanting a Chris, another Miranda, another Christmas special. Mm. But it was it was extraordinary on for on on Twitter and on Instagram and and the feedback everybody there was a proper love for the show and that so you've got the you've got the support from the audience and having the support from inside the BBC suddenly must have been right okay let's do it yeah I mean and that that's so lovely to hear and thank you for telling me because you know we as you know we don't often hear 
um, those sort of compliments and the things that go on behind the scenes. So it's really, really lovely to know that. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it has been extraordinary. And the other part, thinking of women who support women, the other little story behind it was that Sally Phillips randomly in 1999 had an hour to spare at the Edinburgh Festival and saw, didn't know me, but saw my double act poster and thought, I'll just pop in there and support some women. And really liked me and mentioned me to a producer who did Smack the Pony and I got to do a couple of sketches with Smack the Pony. And then, of course, I asked Sally whether she'd consider being Tilly and I'm so grateful that she she was. So the, I have always felt really supported and I think women in comedy have just been, my peers certainly have been extraordinary like that because we did need each other because there were so few of us. Um, so, yeah, so that encouragement all kind of developed. And then, and then yeah, when it... When it sort of, it popped like a blusher. If we were talking about um, <laughs> makeup, when it's sort of in the first series, sort of, I was like, oh, and so you know, Joe sent me the ratings and said it's just growing every week, and people are talking about it. I mean, yeah, I was total rabbit in headlights. It really wasn't until three or four later, three or four years later, I realised what had happened. They want a second series, right? So that's got to be better. Okay, so I'm just in this bubble of how to how to write it and then and then suddenly it moves to bbc one and it gets even bigger and the pressure gets high. so you're just in this sort of whirlwind of extremely hard work but i am now i just I'm, every day i'm really grateful for the legacy of miranda truly i'm just will we'll never take it for granted that's so wonderful and i know that i can hear that that's comes from the heart you're speaking from the heart is 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 Miranda now quietly just put to bed do you think is it time to just say right I've done that do you know I do think about I think when you create characters like that that you've lived with for a long time um they do become part of you and they are like your friends you know they're your creative babies and I do think of them from time to time a bit like you were you would a friend you haven't seen for a while and I think oh what would they be up to and so I've definitely had some thoughts of where they might be at and what would happen with them all. And that's really fun. The circumstances just haven't quite aligned yet in terms of actually considering, let alone doing a, a special. But it, but it is something that I would say that I'm now not ruling out. Whereas if a couple of years after it had finished, I would have said, no, no, I've, I've completely ended it and that was that. But I think as the love for them is still there, the audiences continue to grow because young audiences can watch it. And I just love sitcom. I love audience sitcom. I sort of believe in the importance of laughter even more than when I started out in my comedy career. So it's almost become more important to me. So I'm definitely, yeah, definitely think about it. So hopefully the circumstances will align one day. Do you know what's so interesting you're saying about how laughter is important? And I I'm, I talk about this all the time on and everything I do. I just think that... Uh, laughter is the best medicine and I I don't think there's personally <laughs> I don't think there's enough of it on television um, anymore I think the the, yeah. the wonderful the glorious sitcom is just you, I mean I can't even think of any now at the moment that happen that are on yeah it's it's weird I mean Ted Lasso kind of did that thing of oh love that obviously it was on it was on Apple rather than on terrestrial so I don't know how many people had access to it but that that kind of blew up I think because it had that warmth and that positivity that the audience studio audience filmed in front of a live audience shows do have to have naturally because you have to write to get a laugh because you've got 300 500 people in the room so I think that genre of sitcom um which which is lacking um, at the moment, there was a bit of an explosion of it up with Mrs. Brown's voice came out, came after Miranda, and um, but the thing about it is that it's really, really hard to do. So I think people often say it's such a shame there aren't more kind of laugh out loud comedies or studio audience comedies, and the, the reason is 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 because it's blooming difficult, um, which, which I find for me is a real incentive to think about maybe creating another one or do another special because the the um the payoff to it the satisfaction of it is even greater but that's one of the reasons i think it's it, it it's very hard to find 
characters to write characters that get proper laughs. And I, what I find interesting is 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 the lack of warmth mm. generally mm. in TV. Like there's just a lot yeah, yeah. of crime and thrillers, which which are amazing and gripping. But that's why I think Ted Lasso did so well because it was so warm and gentle and kind and good. And and ultimately, I think that's what's lacking. And it's odd because the people in the industry are, you know, we know people in the industry and there are some lovely, good, kind, warm people. But it, it seems like that doesn't necessarily, isn't translating into comedy narrative at the moment. I think that it's about what they think that their boss wants, not necessarily what the audience wants. And I think the audience are well, crying Well, don't out. get me started on that <laughs> or me we could keep having a long conversation about that one i mean that's what i did i said i sort of persuaded the bbc you know i mean the head of comedy at the time john plowman was just so great to me because i said andrew you know they were both saying you a, a sitcom where you talk to camera in front of are you an audience are you mad what is this 1967 and i said well that's the point <laughs> you know those are my comedy heroes and so, and if they, if the BBC had tried to guess to create a show that young people and teenagers would watch, there is no way they would consider my script as, as being, you know, as a 35, 40 year old woman um, and what I was offering them comedy wise, they would just think, no, that's not going to appeal to that generation. And it did. So yeah. you have to write what, you have to write your vision. Don't think about the audience initially. Think about what you love because what you're loving and what's on your heart and what your vision is, if it's meant, it's what the world needs. You know, there's that saying, you know, um, oh, I'm paraphrasing terribly, but um, your heart's design, your unique purpose is what the world needs. And when those two things meet, then you've got your vocation, you've got your... So, but if you start writing thinking... Oh, I'm going to write this to really make people laugh and to to be warm and to you're you're instantly just sort of taking the joy and the pre, putting too much pressure on. You just got to write you. Of course, then if it does become successful, like Miranda with the second and third series, I did start thinking, oh, I've got too much information now of what the audience is like, and I did get a bit lost with thinking, what are they going to like here, and what should I write for them? And and I actually went, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm just going to keep with the truth of what I'm saying. No, I really agree with you. And I think uh, what I mean about the audience is that I think that there is that there's there's certain things lacking in television these days. And it's yeah. it's as if the, the people who commission things forget about the fact that the audience are going to want something that's been from the heart, that is kind, that is funny, that is slightly anarchic whatever it is if it's somebody for I listen I love people falling over I full stop that's it but but all of those things are so important and yet they think that well we've got to get we've I've got to make my boss happy so we've got to tick this um famous person or we've got to put this thing in here or because everybody's doing this yes. we've got to do that and I think that's the wrong way of thinking of it they should be thinking they're in that position to say okay here is Miranda um oh well, let's no let's call it somebody completely different here is Joe and Joe is saying this is something I feel passionate about this is something I love I know that people are going to feel as passionate and love this as much give this a chance and that's who they should be listening to yeah or let's take a risk yes let's take a risk because this this person has a real vision and is is unique in that vision so we might as well try it we might as well at least do a pilot but yeah, it's that thing of, oh, people are loving The Line of Duty, which is an extraordinary, brilliant show. So therefore, let's just make constant lines of duty. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, let's make lines and lines of duties. And um, it's like, well, actually, as much as I like to be completely on the edge of my seat and kind of excited by entertainment, I also want to sit back and laugh. And I also want to have a weep at a documentary. And I, you've got to have everything. Yeah, completely um, agree with you. So to yeah, so I agree that the, the thing that I sat down with thinking of an audience was I just want to make people laugh. That's it. There's a wonderful um, yeah. There's a quote on the Miranda shop because I love your merch. Honestly, it's just joyful. Uh -huh. But you say that you're there to jolly up your life. It's there to jolly up your life, and that's how 
And that's what I think a lot of people need. I really do. And I don't just mean because of COVID. And yes, you know, the past 18 months, two years have been extraordinary and extreme and all mm. of that. Oh, my goodness me. Yes, we like we said, we like we like the the edge of your seats thrillers. But I just want some jolly. I really do. I know. I know. And it really, I mean, you know, the phrase laughter is the best medicine it sounds so trite. But it, but it's true. it came from it came from real wisdom and it you know it's been through since the beginning of time it is at it's not a hallmark card it's absolutely true and you know I've suffered from anxiety in the past and I, I remember at school saying to people you you need to make me laugh because that will be the one thing that will get me out of this and so we would do something silly or we'd kind of break that pattern I'd be instantly fine and that's why I wrote a little book called my Randa's Daily Dose of Such Fun which is 365 ideas to to do something silly each day to do something jolly because it 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 breaks the pattern of any negativity or stress that you're in and your brain goes oh oh we're okay we're safe you know so it's actually really important for your you know generally neuroscience now tells us that laughter works it's funny because i've always i wanted to be a comedian since the age of seven i'm turning 50 next year i get i can join the dots and see oh i understand why now, as an anxious child, I needed comedy and wanted to do it. It's really fun to look back like that. It is. And to, and even though I'm 33, I know um, I had the same thing growing older, is that that uh, from the age of three, I wanted to be a TV presenter and I just want, and my whole thing was, I want to make people happy. And it was... Did it you, was, that early on, yeah, for you as well? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was about making people happy. Not a, I didn't know what fame, none of that because I was incredibly shy and I knew that I that if you could make somebody laugh then that then they'd feel better and because it made me feel better I loved laughing it just cured everything yeah. for me you are such a ball of light and joy you really are well I feel the same about you honestly I really do I really do you so some of the shows that you were in actually you know so many of the shows you were in are changed the way that people saw television so you know Vicar Dibley I know you were in that and um, uh, not going out and French and Saunders and Nighty Night and Ab Fab and all of those things. Isn't it amazing that you had a part in those? And you, the minute you say them, people go, oh, oh, I love that one. Oh, I love that one. That's quite, that's a, that's a list, isn't it? That's just such a list. I know. I remember when I, I was first working with Dawn and Jennifer, I literally was like what it was genuinely one of those total out-of-body experiences I just didn't know what was happening because I'd grown up on French and Saunders and you know they they showed me oh my dream is possible there's two women being ridiculous on television great it can happen and there I was suddenly in a room with them and being part of and then you know being part of Richard Curtis's sort of um uh family as it were of, of work in Vicar of Dibley was just extraordinary so yeah I feel so lucky to have done those shows and Julia Davis which is who wrote Nighty Night is of course a very different kind of humour but people who loved that show really loved that show it was I mean talk about a unique vision these really powerful wonderful women I love it Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Then, of course, there was Call the Midwife and your character, Chummy. Just a glorious character again. And then, but but that surprised people, which it shouldn't have. It's so funny that people, so um, we have mutual friends and, and uh, one in particular who always says, why do people say, oh, what a surprise. She can really act because she's known for comedy and she's known for singing and things. And, and, and then, he says, well, actually, what do you think? They've been doing all the time. And so it was like, gosh, Miranda's such a wonderful actress. Well, yes, she's an actress. You know, there's that side as well. People just sort of, it was wonderful surprise for people. And they meant, I I think they all meant it in a very warm, loving way. But but, um, it's a joyful show. Again, Call the Midwife. I just, it was lovely bubble bath telly. Oh, that was such an amazing experience to get to play that to play that character. And of course they were, you know, after the first three series, she'd run out of the true story books, but that, that it was a true story. Chummy was a real mm. person. And I read her entrance into Nanata's house and into midwifery in the, in the book, in the memoir. And I was like, no one else gets to play this woman. She's really, you know, yeah. It's a lovely story. Actually, the Jennifer Worth who wrote called the midwife, who's writing memoirs of her experiences of mid- of a midwife sent me the book about six weeks I think before she died it might have been a bit longer um and said this might be made into television if it does I'd love you to play chummy because you remind me of her she'd see me on not going out and oh. it was really it was quite late one night and I was filming the next morning and I thought I shouldn't I just need to switch the light off and go to sleep but I just need to look at where chummy comes in she said I've put down the page where chummy comes in and it was you know there was this tall ungainly woman from this upper class, extremely upper class background, who's a fish out of water, who who bravely followed her desires to be a midwife against all her family's wishes and plonked herself in the East End of London and clumsily sort of found her way. I thought, this is so beautiful. This is like a sort of dramatic version of Miranda in a way. And yes, I get to do the acting that people don't think comedy is. Oh, it was a joy. And Chummy was a joyful character I love that story that's so warm you made me go all made all the hairs stand up um but you then do movies and and did, was that was that another pinch me like the working with Dawn and Jennifer sort of doing films was that that moment you go oh my goodness me look at me I'm in a movie I have to say the no offense to Dawn and Jennifer who obviously comedy heroes but the most out-of-body experience where I completely literally was unable to speak during a take was when I was standing opposite one of my favourite actresses of all time in Alice and Janney. And for those of you who don't know Alice and Janney, she was CJ Craig in The West Wing. And you just need to look up her IMD page and look at her CV and watch every movie she's in because each one (laughs) is just fabulous and she's just extraordinary. But I used to watch West Wing, not only because to me it's one of the best television shows ever made, but in about 1998 and 99, early 2000s, when I was thinking, is this going to happen for me? And I'd look at Alison Janney and there was another six foot woman who was not inverted commas in those days, traditionally beautiful, which you apparently had to be as a woman. You had to be, you know, five foot two and the the girlfriend and the little bit on the side mm-hmm. or whatever. Yes. Thank God that's changed. And there was Alison. And so she just she was just my hope kind of thing and I I remember thinking oh my gosh if I could just sit in the background of the West Wing and just watch her and be an extra I'd just be so there I was standing doing spy doing a scene with her um she was quite a small part in the film and I I I just found myself just looking at her and I realized where I was and I was staring at the actress that and I started welling up and my mouth went dry and I couldn't speak. Oh. And I just forgot my lines and said, I, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't tell anyone what was happening. I think I told her afterwards. But I could barely get through the scene. I couldn't 
just couldn't believe what was happening. I felt about seven years old on set. I think that was one of the highlights of my life, actually. Oh, how amazing. There are those moments. There are those moments and you will never, you'll never forget that feeling. I can sort of hear in the way you're talking about it that you go straight back there. It's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, it's amazing. And she became a friend. We got on really well and that's really nice. And that was a nice kind of a few. You can meet your heroes sometimes. And Ronnie Corbett as well I met. I still can't believe that. My uh, my parents, I'm at my parents' house at the moment and they've got a little picture of me and Ronnie Corbett on the mantelpiece. <laughs> and I walk past it and think, what? What happened there? No way. <laughs> I love that they've got a picture of you and Ronnie Corbett on the mantelpiece. Well, they can't believe it either because they remember me aged sort of, you know, five or six or whatever, watching the two Ronnies um, and all of us laughing as a family. And then... <laughs> That's me and Ronnie Corbett, so yeah. We had the conversation last night about the two Ronnies. I was showing um, my youngest uh, sketches from the two Ronnies and she was properly laughing. And they know they've been brought up on, uh, my husband and I always, we fed them uh, Morecambe and Wise and the two Ronnies and we were just going through some of the sketches and she was properly laughing. And, and my husband and I just sat there looking and we both welled up a bit because we it's, that's how it used to be. The family mm. at all ages would sit around together and we're going back to the thing about everybody laughing, but it, we loved the fact that she was laughing at something that we laughed at when we were five and six. Oh, that's so great that they laughed because I sometimes wonder whether those, yeah, that sort of still appeals. Oh, it does. So that's great that you're introducing them. In fact, I'm going to get my niece and nephew and see whether they'll... Um... The scene that she, that she loves so much is when they use... They use words and they turn them into people's names. Um, uh, oh, so yeah. be, oh, my God, I'm trying to think of it. I'm not I'm going to not do it any justice at all. I'm not going to give it any justice, but but go online and have a look at the names one because it is so funny. And she started doing it afterwards. Oh, brilliant. Oh, I haven't watched them for a while, actually. I must get back. I, I do that thing a lot of when somebody go when someone forgets their words. So they go, I'm just going into the garden to um, and. And lots of sketches where they'd, you know, those characters where they'd guess what they were going to say. Yes, yes. Mum, the other night, she said, I'm just going to make, um, and I went, love. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I've still got it, still got it. Comedy gold. Just a joy, a joy. So back to your lovely mum. Is she up for doing more telly then? I think, I think she, you know, it became, it wasn't sort of with me. I mean, I was, I popped in and out of that show, um, it's called, for people who want to find I think it's still on all four. It's called All Gardens Great and Small, if you're a garden lover. Um, and um, she, you know, it became her show, really. She's so brilliant on camera and she's an expert gardener and became, and, and absolutely loved it. But unfortunately, when a new head of Channel 4 um, appeared just at the time it was being renewed and he decided not to renew it. So she would have loved to do more. And we really enjoyed filming together, actually. It's sort of, it was just a really nice new thing to do for our relationship. So it's fun. I, I've filmed her doing the odd since staying here. I've filmed her doing the odd thing in the garden. So I might put that on Instagram because we always end up having a laugh together. Oh, please do. And she can come and do mine because your your own garden looked like, I, I mean, I was, I'm embarrassed. My mum died 25 years ago and she loved gardening. She, my, your mum reminds me so much of my mum, but my mum loved gardening. Oh. She loved dogs and gardening more than any. She didn't. She said, I would prefer dogs to human beings and um, always said that. Correct. And if, if she was in the garden, that was her happy place. But if she saw my garden, I can just, I, I'm embarrassed because there's, I have the same thing, the ivy and everything just there. And I don't, I just, I won't even, actually, yes, I will share with you how I do my flower beds to get the weeds out. And we only have very small garden. I don't know if I should, I, I use the lawnmower. I use the lawnmower to get the weeds out. What do you mean? How? And I go over the edges <laughs> of the lawn just to get the horrible bits away. What, on the side? Yes. In the flower beds. I don't do it on the flowers. I just do it on the bits Absolutely. that... Absolutely. I've got an image now of you with a flymo, from, which I don't know if it's still around. I haven't got right. a flymo. It's 80s, 90s no, it's, machine. It's a, it's but, you a know, very a very light one. Yes, yes. An old thing. And I've got you now just angrily sort of wielding it 
against your ivy and everywhere and just chopping. But it's not angry. I I sing. Do be careful. I sing and I do it barefoot. Oh, barefoot. Gosh. It's now becoming a health and safety issue. I know, I know. This image. But, but I, I couldn't be I'm happier blushing. with this. That's so good. But can you tell the difference between a weed and a flower? Because I struggle there. I've often pulled up a lovely flower thinking it's a weed. Well, I think some of the weeds... I, I See, here's the thing. I think some of the weeds are very beautiful. I've got those weeds that your mum was talking to you about. The, the blue ones, the little tiny weeny blue flowers in the video I was watching. And she kept saying they go... Right. they're rampant in the garden well mine are rampant but i think they look quite a nice rampant well this is the thing because we because our green fingers are not very green we need to understand that the rampant i love that word it's good um, word. <laughs> the rampant will take over from the good you know it ends up taking over and kind of being i'm going to say being mean to the other plants to the other plants. Yes, it is. It's yes, but it doesn't matter because they're pretty. It doesn't rampant. matter. Okay. Okay. It's 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 rampant, but it's pretty. It's I don't mind we should pretty do a gardening rampant. show together. It's quality. <laughs> you get this classic information that'll go. You'll go out there and go. I know exactly what to do now. No, do you know? I was on Chelsea Flower Show once. Oh, and they they honestly they just said. No, but because you always take pictures of flowers on Instagram. I, go, I know because I like colour and I like, I think everything's too, too dull. So everything should be colourful and flowers and that's flowers. They said, do you know what they are? No, but they're just flowers. And, and that's why I post pictures of weeds and the people say it's a weed. And I go, it doesn't matter. It's a pretty <laughs> rampant one. There we go. Yeah, it's a rampant weed and I'm all about that. Love it. So can we just talk about the Miranda shop? Because... How did that all come about? How did that all start? Yeah, that's been a, a, another surprise. Well, it start uh, when I went on tour in God, 2014 now, blimey. Um, you, you know, you often do merchandise as part of your tour, you know, something for people to take away from it, like a T-shirt or whatever, or a tote, a t- a, your classic tea or tote, you know. Yeah. And um, <laughs> And then I said, why don't we just sort of keep going with this? And... So we created a website and just generally built it up. And it's now, in the last couple of years, it started doing really well because it's because we now donate to charities that support people with chronic illness. And I talked about that last year in, in the first lockdown because I suddenly realised that the people with conditions like ME and, of course, now long COVID and fibromyalgia and all those kind of invisible illnesses that keep people housebound and bedbound. Lockdown is completely their normal. And so my heart suddenly went out to these people where we were all complaining about lockdowns. And I was like, they're locked down all the time and not seen and heard and misunderstood. And that really, I think, sadly, it showed me how many people are chronically ill. And so that kind of got it going, really, the importance of products to help people feel cosy and jolly and raise money for those charities and so yeah it's really fun so I now design little logos for t-shirts and um yeah we've got some Christmas stuff coming out on Friday I think so it's it's really fun well you see that's again you're going back to fun so in this podcast we always talk about uh what makes you belly laugh what really makes you belly laugh now I I'm I'm laughing already because I'm hoping you're going to say the thing that makes me belly laugh, which is people falling over, because I think it's just a a joy, a a joy. But what makes you properly, properly lose it and giggle and laugh? I I do agree. People falling over is funny as long as they're not harmed. I'm just going to say that. You sound like you don't care what happens to them. (laughs) No, I have to Um, always say that at the end, yes. I think think what makes me laugh is, I can't think of anything specific, but it's the... I think that's why people falling over is funny because it's the in the moment, spontaneous, unexpected things that really make me laugh. So it's not, so there's nothing forced about it. It's just, Mm. it's so joyful because you just didn't expect it. So, so, you know, that's why children make us laugh because they'll suddenly go, look at me and then (laughs) fart. Yeah. And you just, it's just like a, just those everyday surprising moments. And I love that, that, that those simple things, and they really are, and it's that wonderful childlike humour that still makes us as 
I'm not going to never going to be an adult, but us as adults makes us laugh. Isn't that's that's what we should all be embracing? Definitely. I'm not very good at jokes. You know, I don't find sort of one liners particularly funny. I like it to be the reality of life. I like it to be part of the celebration of life. Um, so yeah, someone actually I did see somebody walking. <laughs> it's so not funny, and I'm giggling. But someone walking into a lamppost the other day, and they were fine, and it was just absolutely hilarious. And the recovery was so difficult, so funny because mm -hmm. they were on their own. So it's the whole sort of looking around. Did anyone see? How do I deal with that? Just the awkwardness of the moment was so beautiful. <laughs> uh, Miranda, you are a joy. I, I really, truly, absolutely adore you. When, when um, we were lucky enough to be doing a charity event together, and I, I remember sitting in the dressing room and I, and coming home afterwards, and we have mutual friends, and I remember texting a mutual friend of ours, and saying, "I am completely in love with Miranda. I think you are genuinely, you're, you're, you are." beautifully funny but you're also for real and you're a joy and thank you so much for just bringing that joy into all of our lives oh thanks Gabby. thank you so much for listening and i'd love to wish you all a very merry christmas coming up in the new year the first show of the new year the wonderful actress saran jones of course from dr foster vigil and gentleman jack that Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thanks so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.